Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blues, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. All right, Chris, here's the question to start us off this week. Here is the question to start us off Let's this hear it. week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll it across the bottom. So the question is, would you take 10 shots from half court knowing that if you made one of them, you win $10 million, but if you miss all 10, you have to spend three years in prison? Would I, you mean, would I take that bet? Yes. Would you, would you jump into that opportunity? 10 shots from half court. You yep. got to make one to make a million or if 10 you miss million. all. 10, oh, 10 million. million. Mm-hmm. If you miss all, you go to prison for how long? Three years. I'm not taking that bet <laughs> at all. I am not built for prison. That's why I've largely stayed out of trouble in my life. So, uh, yeah, no, not worth the risk at all. I mean, it's it's appealing. Would love to have uh, $10 million, but not at the risk of potentially. Dude, you got, you got the bald head, the beard, the tats. Dude, you're like, you're tailor-made for prison, well, aren't you? Well, you're right. I actually, I well, yeah, I, I might be able to go in there and, and you know, act like I belong, but inside I would be terrified. I think it would do a number on me. So yeah, no, I, dude, I've thought about this question before. Cause so my wife played college basketball and her, she's a shooter. Like that's, she has like her high school records as a three point shooter and is pro I'm, I'm not, not hyperbole because she's my wife. She's probably the best shooter I've ever actually like played with in person. And Full disclosure, talk- you and I have never played. Right. So, well, that, for, for you know, now, for now. Not at any, oh, together. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe you're a sniper out there. I don't know. But she's she's pretty good at putting up half-court shots. I feel like if I shoot 10, I'm going to make one. But, dude, the idea of going to the can for three years if you don't make a half-court shot is pretty sc- Like, imagine if you miss, like, the first seven and you're, like, you're down to the last three. <laughs> well, you know like, those you know those last three are going to be real difficult. Oh, you know, the, the more The more you miss, the more difficult it gets. That's the problem. Yeah. So I, I just, I've thought about this question a lot of times. I think, I think so strongly that if I shot 10 half court shots, I could make one and I'd make 10 million and change my, my life and my family's life forever. But bro, going to prison for three years is terrifying. And we've got like young kids, like, you you know, like if, if this is a real, real scenario, that's something I don't really want to bother with is going to jail. Well, this is, this kind of goes in line with something I've always thought about and I've talked about with friends where, you know, if let's say you played an NBA game and you played a full, you know, what I, I don't know, what is it, a full 40 minutes or, or however long the game's 48 are. minutes in the NBA, full yeah. 48 minutes. I mean, you're on the floor. You don't come out I, on a good night. I mean, what do you think? You think you can get five points off in the NBA? I mean, what do you what do you think your stat line is going to look like? Dude, first of all, I'm so out of shape. I cannot imagine playing basketball for 48 minutes. Like LeBron doesn't <laughs> even do that right now. He's, le- I think he's leading the well before he got hurt. I think he was leading the league in minutes, and he's playing like 43 a game. But anyway, uh, God, I would like to think I could just camp in the corner and knock down at least. I was going to say take take the Robert Ori approach and just. I camp would be out. I would be a horrible liability on defense. Yeah. Uh, but, Let me put it this way: Are you getting on the board? 
do you think you're putting points yeah. on the board at 48 bucks? Yeah, and I know enough of the BS in the NBA where you can just flail your arms if someone's near you, and I'd go to the stripe <laughs> and at least get a free throw, I think. But it'd be single digits. It'd be maybe double-digit turnovers. So here, here's the deal. Like, even when I was younger, like in my early 20s, I played some pickup ball with some guys who were – I mean, like far more athletic than me, you know, six, five, six, eight taller. And it's like, it's a different animal. I mean, I'm six feet tall. And back in the day I was decent at basketball. You know, I can play up and down for several hours and not, you know, not get super tired. I can shoot it. I consider myself a pretty good basketball player. Like I'm not, I don't even belong in the, in the gym with dudes like that. It's a, it's a, it's unbelievable how good they really are. But I would, I would like to think if I just parked in the corner repeatedly repeatedly somebody would sag off of me and forget about me and i could knock down a three so i don't know man i would like to think i could get at least on the board but probably probably not (laughs) probably not so back to the original question you're you're not even taking the bet no way no no chance 10 half court shots you make one you win 10 million you miss all 10 you go to prison for three years not worth it what if you could practice for like six months leading up to the event nope still not no Wow. Nah, not a chance. I think the next thing I have to do then is to take the live out there and, and shoot 10 shot. half court shots and see yeah. if I can make one. We well, should set up we should set up in a gym sometime. Yeah, we should probably try to do that. All right, here we go. Let's jump into some real stuff. Uh you put an article up about this. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Michigan or was it two days ago? About Jordan Whitley. Jordan Whitley. Michigan that is was yesterday. Michigan is in pursuit of jumbo defensive tackle Jordan Whitley transfer from Oregon State. Um, looks like Michigan's going to have a shot to get him. This is directly related to Michigan's acquisition of Courtney Morgan. Uh, Courtney Morgan was at San Jose State when they offered this guy, so there's a there's a previous relationship there. Courtney Morgan was the one who kind of reached out and identified that this was a guy that they could be in in uh, in the mix for. And it kind of started floating around on social media, all different areas that Michigan was going to have a real shot for him. So he's like, what, dude? He's like 360 pounds or something like that. Six, two, six, three used to play running back. So this dude's an athlete. I heard that. Not sure he's going to be carrying the ball anymore, but I mean, you never know, man. Maybe you just give him a fridge Perry kind of a, you know, kind of a, kind of a charge at the goal line and see what happens. But no, this is again, another sign of the shift to a three, four under Mike McDonald getting a guy that can plug up the middle. Michigan's got a couple dudes in Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith who are north of 300 pounds, but 360 is like, that's a, that's a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've seen some of the response from the fans saying, you know, they're, they're concerned about the weight or, you know, how is he going to fit in? And I mean, you know, if, if, if he's playing that true nose tackle position, his job would be primarily just eat space eat up the middle and, and force somebody out on the perimeter. And so, you know, from that standpoint, when you can plug in a dude that's, you know, pushing 370 pounds, uh, you know, it, it goes a long way toward that effort. Now, I know that there's also some concern, um, you know, about some some health issues that he's had, some injuries. Uh, he sat out the 2020 season due to, um, I think it was a heart tumor that he had announced on his social media platform. I don't know if, if there's been any resolution to that. I assume there has only because Michigan has been in pursuit. And this is a guy that Michigan wants. I, you know, I had read something online uh, the other day that he had entered his, you know, entered his name in the transfer portal at like 1049 a.m. And Michigan called him at 1050. You know, so it's it's clear that Michigan is making an effort to go into the transfer portal to look for a big body nose tackle type guy. Um, and it seems like things are trending the right way with him, and, and would be happy to see him in Ann Arbor. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is, 
this is this has got Courtney Morgan written all over it. It really does. Um, you know, talking about a guy who's been in contact with him before. Where's he originally from? That's what I was looking for while you were tight while you were talking. Um, Whitley. Yeah, played in played played at Oregon State. Is he? I'm, I think he's a California kid. That's what I want. I, I thought, feel like was I a, I thought that. he was a Midwest guy. I thought that was the other dude. Um, anyway, I'm gonna put a picture of him. There's the big fella right there. I mean, that's a that's a tank of a human being, man. Like you said, I mean, that's again, Michigan's got some talented guys that can play the play the middle, uh, in Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, but they they don't look they don't look like that. They they don't look You're like right. that. He, that's he's out of a, Richmond. That's a California. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So West Coast kid again. The connection with Courtney Morgan, who's basically a West Coast lifer. Um, that would be big. I mean, it, it would it'd be big because of that shift of what they're going to try to do on defense, that 3-4 approach. Um, it's not like you can't get by with a guy like Chris Hinton. I mean, we're talking about a former five-star kid. Mozzie Smith was a high four-star kid. They are both north of, of 300 pounds athletic, but this guy would be a difference maker. Then you can start to move Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton around a little bit. You could have a, a bit of a jumbo package in there. Um, and, and I mean, Hinton, Hinton's athletic enough to play off the edge. I mean, he's still, he's still a big fella, but it just gives you some movable pieces, I think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Whitley. I think, you know, he would be a welcome addition. There's no doubt about it. No, no doubt. doubt about it. I think it's, it's really kind of crazy that <laughs> like 310 pounds is like a huge dude. Like that's a huge dude. Yeah. Like 360, 370 is just like. I, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. I, this is, a, we just were talking about like what it would be like if you, you know, if you played in the NBA for a night, right, <laughs> what yeah. if you had to take like a couple reps against like a Jordan Whitley, uh, you know, 370 pounds, what would that look like for you? <laughs> well, I, from what I heard, I don't know if how true this is, but I heard he put on a hundred pounds since coming to college. So at, at some point over the course of his collegiate career, he's, you know, he's obviously been gaining and now he's to the point where he is an absolute monster. And yeah, I, I, you know, personally, I'm, I don't want any part of that. I'm not built for that. And there's not a lot of guys that are built to take that on for a full game. And so, you know, he's one of those dudes that's a difference maker. He's going to force an opposing offense to have to account for him or to have to get around him uh, in, in some way, shape or form. And he doesn't have to be, you know, extremely athletic and, and agile and be able to like move right to left. He's just got to eat up space. And when you're pushing 370, yeah, that's what guys like that do. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. A quick question. We'll take these as they kind of come in. Appreciate everybody for jumping on and hanging out with us a little bit. Since this is the topic we're talking about right now, why is Michigan struggling to get transfers? I really don't think it's any deeper than they just aren't that good right now. I, I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, Michigan's coming off two and four. People are still wondering about what Jim Harbaugh's future is going to look like. You know, I know he signed the contract, but like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that they cut his salary in half and they essentially eliminated the buyout clause. So anybody with anybody with any sense could realize that like he's he's on his last leg, whether the contract says five years or 25 years, this is like a prove it season for him. And so you know, and then you, when you look, you look position by position. I mean, for instance, we talked about it before. Like, it'd be really hard to convince a big time wide receiver to come to Michigan right now, whether it's a recruit no question. or if it was a transfer. I don't think Michigan's really entertaining any transfers at that position. But the point is, is like these guys are trying to look for a fit. They're trying to see like, okay, what did so and so do before me that I could potentially step in and do? And for for one, Michigan hasn't played this defense before, so there's really no precedent. There's nothing for Jordan Whitley to look at and say. 
how are they going to use me? What exactly are they going to do? Now that's going to be part of the pitch when he's talking to the coaches, but there's no, there's no proof of it. So I think there's a lot of reasons and, you know, a lot of people get hung up on the, on the admissions and all that stuff. And with, with graduate transfers, especially that's really not an issue when you're talking about like freshmen or second year players coming in where they barely got any credits established yet. And a lot of them may not transfer. It's a little bit different story, but with these older guys who have been in school and are, are graduated already, it's it's not going to be an issue. So well, and I, and I would say, you know, to further that point, if you are a in a skilled position and you're in the transfer portal, what about Michigan would be enticing to you? I mean, think about what is the last skill player that Michigan has had where they've really really utilized that person and got the most out of that person. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone, and so I think it's you know I, I certainly think the academics play a part of it, but it is a very small part of it. That's a collection of, of just a lot of other issues that are going on at Michigan, um, mainly being the fact that they're currently struggling right now. And, and and I would assume that, you know, if they take off in 2021 and, and beyond and, and start legitimately competing for conference championships, mm-hmm. there will be far more interest in guys that are looking to transfer to come into Michigan. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's just, I, I personally don't think it goes any deeper than that. I think when you have a team that's struggling a little bit and it's clear that they're trying to plug some holes uh, as the defense is switching over to a new system, especially at that defensive tackle spot, that's a little bit of a tough sell. It's a little, I mean, playing time would be the, I mean, look like, Hey, you, you probably be the guy you're going to be our guy at the zero at the nose. Like we need, we need you. That would be yeah. my biggest pitch if I was trying to get Jordan Whitley to join up, but, and, and we'll see how that goes. I think having Courtney Morgan in there, someone who knows him from the past is, is important, but yeah, it's not the, it's not the easiest sell in the world right now. Um, but they're trying. What was the guy's name? Jordan fair. Uh, the, the previous big body defensive uh, tackle, Tony, I think Tony fair, Tony yeah. fair. I think that's right. And he was the South Bend kid from the Midwest and, um, eliminated Michigan didn't make his top three. I don't think has he committed yet. I haven't been following. I don't think so. I I looked the other day just to check and see if there was something there. Since he eliminated Michigan, I haven't really been following. But yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a tough sell right now. That's that's I think all it is pretty much. Uh, in other news, current Michigan early enrolled freshman Donovan Edwards, um, won Gatorade Player of the Year in Michigan. Not surprising at all. Kid's an absolute stud. Saw him in high school multiple times. Can do it all. Uh, he's got the home run speed. He's big and strong. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He breaks tackles, vision, elusiveness. I mean, he he just he's the most complete back on the on Michigan's roster right now, in my opinion. That doesn't mean he's the best running back on the roster yet. He's a true freshman. He's still figuring it out. Blake Corum's pretty damn good. Hassan Haskins is a man. You know, we're talking about a third or fourth year guy. But he but in terms of where they are coming in, Edwards is is there's a reason he's the highest rated, the most touted, the most offered. He's a stud. There's no doubt about it. So him winning uh, freshman or winning Gatorade player of the year is not a surprise after he led West Bloomfield to a state title. I mean, his stats in the playoffs were like insanity. It was like a video game for him week in and week out. We talked a little bit about this before, Chris, like you really like Blake Corum. I know that you're really high on him. I am too. I'm just, but I know you're really high on him. I think you like Haskins a good bit too. Yeah. Where, where, you know, what do you see for Edwards? Like how, how big of a deal is it that he, is so complete seems to be ready made for the college game, but is, you know, probably behind those two guys at the, at the jump. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing for Michigan because they have sort of an embarrassment of riches at that position. 
And, you know, I, I think, you know, you had alluded to it. Haskins is the veteran of the group. He's proven that he can lead a stable of running backs. And then Blake Corum, I, you know, I've followed his career, you know, his early career so far pretty closely. And he is just the guy is just a workhorse. He's constantly in the gym. He's constantly perfecting his craft. And he is a kid that I think is really going to explode onto the scene. You know, you saw flashes of it in 2020, but he was also handicapped by the fact that he was sharing reps with three other guys. So I, I expect big things from him. But when you look at a guy like Donovan Edwards, he's also such a tremendous talent that even though he's young and inexperienced, just from an athleticism standpoint, I mean, you can see it on the highlights. You've got to find a way to utilize this guy on the offensive side or special teams. You've got to get him out on the field and try to get the ball in his hands. So while I think Corum and Haskins are going to get a bulk of the carries, I do see scenarios where Edwards is possibly lined up in the slot. They're doing some jet sweeps. You know, they're doing some wildcat formation with him. I, I don't anticipate any scenario in which Donovan Edwards is watching a vast majority of the game from the sideline. You know, if the goal is to have a potent offense, you look at this guy's film and there's just no way he can't be part of that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, I've seen him in person several times. Apologize for the video being a little choppy. This is our first time trying this, this deal here, but he's a, He's a big play waiting to happen. I mean, from anywhere on the field, you mentioned it. Jet sweeps in the passing game. He lines up as Wildcat quarterback. He did a lot of damage there. Um, he's, he's really freaking good. Really freaking good. I don't think there's any way you keep him off the field as a freshman, even with two good running backs in Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. I just think Edwards is hes too dynamic. He's too special. He's too... He's too electric with the ball in his hands. I mean, he just look that play right there. You just he looks like he's running on a different surface than everybody else. Yeah. Um. No, he's not like he's not like four two like blazing track speeds fast, but he's freaking fast. Certainly going to be faster than Hassan Haskins. I think he'd give Corum a run for his money, and we know he's got a lot of speed too. So, yeah, I just think that he is. Um. He's just he's too good. He's too good not to. Uh, he's too good not to be on the field. That's that's how I feel about him. So it'll be, and you know we're we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see how Mike Hart uses his guys. That's another that's another thing that we just don't really know about yet at this point, um, because we because he's new and and we we you know, we saw some head scratching adjustments and moves last year from from Jay Harbaugh, and we beat that horse into the ground. But yeah. You know, guys doing really well on a drive and then disappearing for a quarter and a half. I hope we don't see that this year. I think Mike Hart, under, you know, this is a guy who, you know, carried the ball 30, 35 times a game a lot of weekends for Michigan. Right. So he understands the the idea of working into a lather, getting into a rhythm, being the guy, um, settling in and getting comfortable. So I'm really – I'm that might be one of my most, my most curious things heading into the season is how different that running back rotation is 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 going to look and you know yeah. mike mike hart's going to be the one making that call Do, with mike hart and I, we've talked about this before um i'm trying to think of other positions that it might i, I think running back's a big one but how big of a deal do you think having mike hart is like in terms of how much better the offense can look and maybe is that i mean is he good enough to get another win where there might not have been one before I think so. I mean, on his own, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's not just what he's done from a coaching standpoint. You know, he, he was pretty successful at Indiana. But having a guy like that in your locker room, 
who's not only played for Michigan, but played at the level that he played at, did the things that he did. I think it's always a big deal when you can bring a guy like that into your locker room. Uh, and so I do think it's going to have an impact primarily uh, due to the fact that Mike Hart played the position. He played it at a high level, and he understands what it takes to be successful at that position. And you saw some of that play out in Indiana. And so I'm hoping that we see the same here in Michigan. I can't, I can't envision any scenario with Mike Hart in town where we are still cycling through a four running back rotation. I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to get creative, have to get creative, and find other ways to utilize – you know, some of the talent they have in that group. Um, but I fully expect it to be uh, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum carrying the load and for Michigan to be better off because of that. So to answer your question, yeah, one guy can get you a win when he knows how to utilize the talent that he has. I, I, I've i said it a lot. I think Michigan has got a lot to try to figure out in one year with all the new hires and, and the quarterback situation and, I just think there's a lot. I, I I could not feel more confident about Mike Hart. I think yeah. I just I have all the trust in the world that he knows what to do because he played it at such a high level because he was good at Indiana because he understands Michigan because he's a worker he's a positive influencer. I just think he's got he's got all the makings of being a phenomenal coach and he was he's he was elevated to associate head coach at Indiana so he, he's he's. He's doing all the right things, man. He's climbing the ladder the right way, and I think I think he's going to make a big, big difference for Michigan at running back at the as the running backs coach. I, I still, I still find myself thinking that position coaches just don't affect the win win loss column that much. I just right. find myself always coming back to that. But the point you made, I think, is a good one. It, it just it's like we've said multiple times. You stack up multi, a bunch of these little things, and eventually, it, it it's going to be a big thing. And I think he's. He's a big chunk of of what could potentially be a big development when you look at how those coaches are gonna are going to affect the team this year. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Do you have any? I suck at this, dude. I'm so bad at this. Like mem- moments in time, like they just they just fly out of my head. Like I don't remember shit about anything ever. From it's like facts and figures and like colleges that guys played for and jersey numbers and like I, dude, all that's like instant recall for me. But when it yeah. comes to like. Oh, dude, you remember that one game Mike Hart had? And um, no, I, was I even there? I, no, I don't. I don't think I watched it, but I did watch it. Do you have a Mike Hart memory? That's what I'm getting at. I suck at this. Anytime anybody asks me a question like that, I just, I just bow out because I don't remember stuff like that. But I'm wondering yeah. if, if you do. How does that resonate there, with you? There's not a specific play for me that stands out, but I do. Like I remember watching him as a guy who was just. I'm trying to think of the best, the best word. Not a pinball, but a wrecking ball, maybe like the dude, he was always falling forward. He was, Oh, his, his legs were always churning. He just seemed like a guy that played, you know, you talk, we talk about teams that punch above their weight. Mike Hart always punched above his weight. He was a force, even though he was undersized on the smaller side, that dude would punish you for mm-hmm. an entire game. And that's the thing I remember about Mike Hart is he was just tough as hell and and you you always felt confident having him in the backfield and so it would be great if those traits filter on down to the crew that we have where you get guys that are always churning their legs are always falling forward and and bottom line you know you i don't know if it's a meme or it's a gif but you know it's uh who is it the running back that played for seattle what the hell is his name uh the dude the skittles guy oh marshawn marshawn lynch Lynch. there you go you know just 
over and over and over and over and over. Like that's the mentality that I want a running back room to have where your sole, you know, purpose in life is just to pound people, smash them in the mouth and to make it for a long day. And so my, my hope is that that mentality, you know, trickles down into the, uh, into the running back room. I love the next line of that, that interview. The guy goes, is there a, is there a, a message there? Is that a metaphor for something? He's like, run through a mop face. That's until they don't want or what, you know, whatever he says. But Marshawn Lynch is amazing, dude. Like yeah. I've watched so many clips of him on YouTube doing stuff other than football. And That's it's great. like, it's highly, highly entertaining. Love him. Hilarious, dude. But I agree with you, man. He was kind of that way. I mentioned it earlier. He he literally carried it like 30, 35 times a game or in some instances. I think I think for his career, because he came in right as a true freshman and, and started and was the guy. I think for his career, he averaged like 26 or 28 carries a game, which is yeah. like you're not going to see that anymore. Like the game has changed. But but like I said, I think he's going to understand the idea of what it takes to get a guy into a rhythm and to ride the hot hand and, and kind of have your horse. And absolutely. We'll see who that is. I, it's going to be interesting because Hassan Haskins has kind of been billed as that guy, and he's 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 the bigger back. He's a little more sturdy, um, but you have to imagine that like a five ten five nine guy like Mike Hart is going to love a five ten five nine guy like Blake Corum. Like, right. how could you not? Right? Like, if you're if you're viewed as kind of the smaller back, and you've always had a little chip on your shoulder, and you had to get it out of the mud your whole career. You're gonna like guys that are like that, and that's that's Blake Corum, man. He's a small dude. He he, he was a bigger recruit uh, than than Mike Hart was, but but still, when you stack up your running back room and you've got Hassan Haskins who goes about six two, and Donovan Edwards who's about six feet tall and yoked up. Now now Corum is yoked too. Like that dude's built like a brick shit out, yeah. but <laughs> but he's not very tall. So that's I just, that's country strength. That's farm strength. I talked right. about that a little bit, and uh, you know that's the other thing. He's a blue collar guy. Yeah, and I feel and so like, is heart, and so is heart. Right. I feel like the size, the mentality, the background. You know, put it this way: the Michigan running back room is so good that if we get to week seven. One through three, you won't be surprised if any of those guys are are labeled running back one at that point. It's just uh, top to bottom, those three guys, I I think any three of them are capable of of leading the pack. So it'll just be on him to make sure he utilizes them the right way, and I'm confident that he will. So did did we just talk ourselves into seeing more of what we've seen where where it's like two carries for this guy, two carries for that guy? Because they're they're all really good, so you got to get them all touches. got to use them different ways. You gotta, I think you know, so too. Yeah, you got it. And, and, you know, that's going to be on Josh Gaddis too. He's got to figure out that's, you know, and you talk about assistants that can have an impact on a game. That's one guy right there where this offense, and we've talked about it a lot, has to look like number one has to develop an identity because they have no identity right now. Mm-hmm. And they have to at least look like a group that has a purpose and what they're trying to do, whether it's they're trying to get vertical, get down the field, whether it's going to be smash mouth football, whatever it is they're trying to do. My hope is for the 2021 season that we see an offense that has some sort of purpose and identity and, and guys like us can sit back and say, okay, I know what it is they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen that. That's for sure. I mean, it's, you know, when Gaddis was hired, it was speed and space and all this, this explosive plays and big plays. And, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really tweet about that stuff anymore. If you haven't noticed over the last couple of years, but it was a lot of that early on. And, you know, some of the guys that they brought in with Gaddis, like a Giles Jackson, like a Zach Charbonnet to kind of be the face of the offense. They're not even there anymore. 
uh, you know, as, as a couple of those dudes like that have transferred out. I mean, starter guys, guys who have impacted the program yeah. in a big way. Um, I mean, Zach Charbonnet set the Michigan freshman rushing touchdown record of all time. His career I did believe not, it broke Mike Hart's record. <laughs> His Michigan career did not turn out anywhere near what I thought he was going to be after that freshman season. I was like, and he reminded me a lot of Mike Hart, like a guy that was just like kind of a beast and always falling forward and a workhorse and, and kind of, you know, he wasn't like real flashy and, you know, there wasn't like a, a lot of juking and spinning. It was just muscle and pounding. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, he's not here anymore and you know, it's a bummer, but yeah, you're right. It looked like he was, on his way to becoming one of those great Michigan backs. And now he's over at UCLA. So there you go. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out for some of those guys that have left. We're obviously going to get a close look at Giles Jackson in week number two, as he, he transferred to Washington and they're coming to Ann Arbor. Um, next up a little develop, not a little development. I mean, it's another kind of a big deal, I think. Um, but Jim Harbaugh promoted a Larkins in house to become Michigan's new director of recruiting. He was, he's been with the staff for a couple of years, at least a season now. Last year, he was thrust into an on-field position when Bob Shoup, whatever, kind of fell apart and was never even really part of the coaching staff. Um, so Ashawn Larkins was, was the safeties coach last year, which he had some experience before. Um, th- this was, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a surprise necessarily, but I didn't really know a lot about him. I mean, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Ashawn Larkins when I saw his name start popping up. And then when we heard, you know, that he was going to be coaching the safeties after Bob Shoup was no longer with the team. Um, he's in his late thirties. So he's, he's not as young as he looks young. I don't know if you've seen a picture of him. He looks younger than that. I thought he was actually younger than that, but he's in his late thirties. He was the director of recruiting and special teams coordinator for Bethune Cookman down in Florida from 2015 to 2019. He coached cornerbacks and special teams at Jacksonville state before that. He's been a linebackers coach, a DBs coach, and special teams coordinator for eight years at the Citadel, which is in South Carolina. Um, so he's, and if it's the same Ashawn Larkins, which I'm pretty sure it is, he played DB at Lehigh in Pennsylvania. So I'm not sure exactly where he's from. Like, is he a Southern guy that went up to Pennsylvania to play and then kind of went back down South to finish out his, or to, to start his coaching career? Point is, is, he's got a little bit of, he's got some roots in a couple different spots, but I think he's, He's viewed mostly as a down South guy spent, like I said, eight years in South Carolina, handful of years in Florida. So I would assume he's going to be kind of a down South guy when it comes to recruiting. Courtney Morgan is a West coast guy through and through who played at Michigan. So Michigan has got some, has got some footprints in yeah. a couple different areas now, which I think is a good thing. And again, got younger, got more diverse. I mean, we've seen that across the board for Jim Harbaugh. So I, I don't dislike the hire. I don't dislike, the promotion from within the, you know, within the program necessarily. It's just another, I feel like a broken record. I feel like it's another, you hope that it works out well because he's had some decent jobs, but they've been at much, much smaller schools than a place like Michigan. I mean, you cannot, you cannot compare Jacksonville state and Bethune Cookman in the Citadel to what, to Michigan. I mean, it's it's so different night and day. Let let me put it this way, just to give Harbaugh some props, because I know he takes a lot of the, uh, the sledgehammer often when we're, you know, when we're going back and forth and, and rightfully so, but I top to bottom, if you're looking at it as a whole, I love everything he's done during this off season. I feel like 
I get what it is he's trying to do. Now, you know, some of the specific names and, you know, until they signed on to Michigan, we weren't really aware of who they are. But the more that we learn about these guys and where they're coming from, um, age, diversity, all of that stuff, I am totally on board with what Jim Harbaugh has done during the offseason. Now, the proof will be, does it work come fall? But, you know, in terms of just what I understand and what I can see as a fan, I am happy with with the work that he's put in, and and I'm very hopeful that it turns out. So I give him credit for, you know, making a lot of moves and making some bold moves because it was needed, and you know he had the courage to do it. Uh, that's you know that's a good point. I don't know if we've verbalized it that way necessarily, but it's pretty clear that there was a there was an objective, there was a mission. Yeah. Younger, more diverse, more energy. Let's get all that, and every yeah. guy. Is is that? Every I was going to say that either... that didn't happen by coincidence. There's too, you know, they there's too much diversity, and they went way way younger for all of that to just be like, well, it just happened to be the guy we were going after. There there seems to have been a concerted effort to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Every single guy is either younger or, you know, a, let's let's call it like it is, a different race than the guy he replaced, pretty much. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal when when you've got predominantly African American players it just makes sense that these guys are going to connect and that's something that they're going to be able to relate to when you're talking about recruiting and, you know, forming a bond with the, the, the families and things like that. And maybe people from the same, you know, like we said, Ashawn Larkins has roots down South. Courtney Morgan has roots out West. I mean, you, you start to bond over familiar things. That's not yeah. like a, that's not like a weird concept. You want, you want a little bit of everything on your staff. I feel like, and Jim Harbaugh certainly has that at this point. Um, you know, we talked about it before, I mean, Don Brown in his 60s, Mike Zordich in his late 50s, Ed Warner in his late 50s. Um, yeah. All these guys are in their 30s now. Steve Klinkscale becomes the old guard at 42 years old, 42 right. or 43 years old. He's I don't know the what oldest. the coaching staff looked like in, in Kentucky, but I'm, I'm sure he was probably among the younger guys, not not on the flip side. So Yeah, he is now the oldest assistant coach on Michigan <laughs> staff. Only Jim Harbaugh is older than him. So right. it's, it's uh, to your point, I think it is 100% – evidence of Harbaugh at least having a plan and executing said plan and finding guys that were that were different from the guys that were there before and in in one way or another and I think that's that's that speaks to what he was trying to do and I think he did accomplish that now I'm with you we need to see the results we need to see how it looks and I still I'm still holding out reservations for just all of those you know somewhat new guys to to work out perfectly i just don't think that's very realistic and we'll see you know how much how much how much ebb and flow is there how much you know is there a is there a week where all six or seven of the new guys just drop the ball and then you right you you look horrible that week i think all of those things are realistic possibilities that you have to talk about but a lot of smart dudes a lot of young guys with new ideas a lot of energy and Ashawn larkin's the latest as michigan's new director of recruiting so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out you know as someone who used to cover recruiting all, all the time exclusively that's all i did and i don't do that now but I'm, I'm still wondering if it will look or feel different like the you know the just the, the way they do big visit big visit weekends you know are they offering more are they offering less are they 
you know, is there a certain type of guy? I think, you know, I'll be able to pick up on some of those trends a little bit here and there, I think. So we'll, we'll see how that, how that plays out, but congrats to Ashawn Larkins. Again, yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was really young. If everybody, if anybody's seen his, his profile picture on his Twitter page, he looks like a real young dude, but I think he's actually <laughs> a couple years older than us, but still uh, congrats to him on the promotion. And obviously he's been doing good things so far for Harbaugh to elevate when uh, within uh, in-house, somebody who was already on the staff. All right, last thing we're going to close up here with, and this is going to take a little bit of time because we're going to go through guy by guy. I don't think we need to spend multiple minutes on each guy because we'll be here all night. But Chris and I put together our top 10 Wolverines that we are most excited to see in 2021. And I thought there were a couple interesting developments from this list. We're going to go backwards. So we're going to start at number 10. So as uh, to not give the whole thing away as we... Cause I'm sure people are just on the edge of their seat for this dude. Right. I mean, like uh, people can't, I would be. <laughs> people, people can't wait to hear who we want to see, but there were some, there were some pretty, at least one big difference between our two lists. So we will, uh, we're just going to go back and forth. You'll say your 10, a little thing about them. I'll say my 10, a little thing about them. Then you'll go to nine. Then we'll go to, and we'll just keep, well, let me, way. Let me, uh, full disclosure, I had to close mine out because I think it's screwing with our, you know, with our, with uh, our connection, connect, mm. connect, yeah, connectivity or whatever. It was starting to slow up a little bit. So I, I know generally who I had, but if you want to just read it off the list, I'm, I got gotcha. you through it. I got gotcha. you. It's saying my Wi-Fi signal is a little low too. I don't know why that would be. I'm going to have to get that figured out, man. Um, just a couple of amateurs. Just trying to make it work, dude. I don't know. I think I got my, I got my. <laughs> My wireless, my my uh, router is like wedged in the corner of a cement wall in my basement. Probably not ideal, but I'm in the freaking basement. Like that should work, man. But anyway, all yeah. right. Well, I'll give my guy first then since you don't have the list pulled up and then we'll go back and forth that way. So at number 10 for me, and full disclosure, I put some guys on this list that like, frankly, we don't even know if they're going to play. But, but like yeah. what I know about them, what I know about the system that Michigan's moving to, especially on defense, and what I think of these guys individually, either because I, you know, like them as a recruit or think there's something intriguing about them, I have them on the list. So it could end up being a terrible list. I'll be honest with you. There's a few guys on here who I'm really anxious to see that we we might not see, uh, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of people right now because yeah. we really don't know how a lot of things are going to look. But at number ten, I have Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle. This is the guy when he was coming out of East Kentwood, could absolutely dominate a game like dominate a game in high school yeah. and then the next series just disappear or be off the field. He, he had some, some asthma, I think issues. And, and so they, they really were careful about that when he was in high school, heard that, it, you know, he's had some issues with conditioning a little bit. We just really haven't seen him very much, but this is a guy again, big, strong, 310 pounds, athletic, quick as a cat. I thought we would have seen him more by now, especially since Michigan hasn't had like, a stalwart at defensive tackle. I thought he could be a guy to step in and help, but we really haven't seen him much. But I think depending on what happens with this transfer situation, now if they land Jordan Whitley and they have a 360-pounder to play nose guard, that changes the dynamic of the playing time a lot for Mozzie Smith. But if you don't land a guy like that, then it's going to be some rotation of Donovan yeah. Jeter, Mozzie Smith, and Chris Hinton that you're going to have to have a big body in there. And, and Mozzie certainly has that. So he's who I have at number 10. You came in with quarterback dan valari dan the man thunder dan valari slash can we is it too early to call him slash 
Maybe we uh, should wait. Maybe maybe we should wait for. Maybe a game, he's right? the is. Can he be the hyphen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know so I when I put him on the list at number ten, the reason why I'm so intrigued is just by what Jim Harbaugh said and, and the way that they intend to use him in sort of a hybrid role or come in in certain packages. And that's something that I don't think we have seen throughout Harbaugh's tenure yet. So if that's how 2021 plays out, it's clear that from an offensive standpoint, they're going to be trying some new things. Um, and, you know, I, ever since Valari committed or came to Michigan, you know, I know that he was sort of a, uh, a last minute pickup. There were some things that led to him being in Ann Arbor, but the more research I did about Valari and more, I looked at his background, I don't know if he's ever going to become the starting quarterback at the University of Michigan. And based on the way the roster looks and how they're recruiting, you know, it, it seems like his window is of opportunity is pretty small. But I do like that he's an East Coast kid. He does have a certain amount of swagger to him. And he's a big guy. And I feel like if if they are planning on using him on the field in certain packages, you know, like a Taysom Hill, I'm I'm excited to see what that looks like for sure. Athletic has a big arm. His film is good. His high school yeah. film is really good. He wasn't playing yeah. against the best schools in the country, you know, playing in, in, in New York, but he's got, there's, there's some things to like about him and Harbaugh yeah. alluded to that. So it'll be interesting to see at number nine. Yeah, right. He didn't, he say, yeah, if, if you had seen the spring game, he would <laughs> yeah, have appreciated thanks, it. Right? We didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. At number nine, here's another guy again. Don't know if we'll see him, but it, I have Mike Morris defensive end at number nine. Right, yeah. If you're sending your team off the bus to freak out the other team, this is the dude you want to lead off with. Yeah. Six foot six, 276 pounds, long arms, long legs, athletic, great physique. Dad was an NFL player. He, he looks the part all day long, every day. Um, and I think we're going to, we don't know who's going to be the opposite defensive end from Aiden Hutchinson or who's going to back up Aiden Hutchinson. I think Morris needs to be in that mix. I don't know if he will be, haven't heard a lot about him specifically in terms of what he's done, but I'm telling you, if it clicks for him, he's got every physical tool you could possibly want as an athlete at his size, at his length, what his bloodlines, what he was able to do in high school, even though he bounced around at a couple different places. Um, if he gets on the field a lot, then then I, that means obviously the coaches trust him. We'll see what that looks like in this new in this new three four. Is he a stand up guy? Is he a hand in the dirt guy? I, I, you know, you're talking almost 280 pounds. To me, that's that's a hand in the dirt guy. But we'll see. We'll see what it yeah. looks like. And well, and I, I, I'm not going to say I'm intrigued by. Not from not not from a skill set standpoint, but from a look standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Chase Young. Like he just has that intimidating sort of look. Like he could be a beast on the football field. So yeah, we'd love to see it all come together. I think that's an awesome pick. I just hope in another year or two, we're not talking about a looks like Tarzan plays like Jane thing. Cause you see that <laughs> I mean, you see yeah. it in football, dude, you do. Yeah. You see guys that just look like, you know, if you, if you were picking out on the playground, they'd go number one every time. And then for exactly time, for whatever reason, it just doesn't come together and they don't get on the field. You see it. Um, yeah. I'm hoping he's not that, I mean, he's only been there for two years. So, I mean, the, the, the clock is not up on him, but you know, we'll, we'll see how he looks. And I'm just intrigued by what he might be able to do when they're looking for some guys to fill those different positions. At number nine, you had safety Bakari Page, who we got a, yeah. a, a chance to see a good bit of last year. Yeah, I mean, he was on the field a lot. He got a lot of experience as a true freshman. Somebody that Don Brown had, had praised routinely said that he was constantly playing at a high level. And I think with a Michigan secondary that is still searching for an identity, searching for some leadership, 
I assume and I expect that Makari Page is going to come back for year two, willing to fill some of those voids. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a productive year. So I'm excited to see, you know, he had a solid year one. His, I think he had a career high in tackles week one against Minnesota, you know, on national TV and, and, and performed in a big way on a big stage. And so I think year two is going to be a big one for him. I'm excited to see how he's grown. You know what I'm interested by with him too, specifically, he's now being coached by Ron Bellamy. His I was just going to say, I, I think that's you, cool. That's really cool. You know, fine. He's a guy who's known him, you know, yeah. put him in the, put him in the best spots, motivate him like probably nobody else could. And he's super talented. I mean, we're talking about a six, three, you know, six, four guy, 200 pounds can really hit yeah. rangey can run. I mean, he's, He's uh he's everything you want in a safety, and he did get some good experience as a true freshman. So I'm I'm right there with you. I don't remember if I had him on my list actually. I don't think he made my top ten. Uh, I'm trying to think. Makari Page came in at number fourteen for me. So I don't know how you okay. made your list, but I went right down Michigan's roster, and if there was okay. a guy that I was intrigued by, I typed him up. And then yeah. if the next the next guy came along, it was either above that or below that, and it just my, my list kind of filled it filled itself out. So I had Makari Page at fourteen. I had Dan Villari at seventeen. So <laughs> he he was on there, but he didn't make my. We're top not 10. too far off. We're not didn't make far. my top ten. All right, number eight. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we talked about him a lot. But I have Donovan Edwards at number eight. I know he's probably not going to be the guy, but he's going to be a guy. And at some point he's going to be an impact player. I don't know if it'll be in year one or if it'll be, you know, a little bit later on in his career. But as I said, I think he's the most complete back on the roster. He's going to play. I'm just, I'm really curious to see how Michigan uses him. So I have him at number eight for me, for you, you have Braden McGregor. And this is, this is also a guy who a big time recruit, every program in the country wanted him. He dealt with some injuries towards the latter part of his high school career, but could be could be special in this three four defense, I think. Yeah, and and that's I see him as being like the next man up after Aiden Hutchinson. You know, kind of has that same mold. And I like that he's got a nasty side to him. And it might be superficial, but I like the fact that he's all tatted up. I saw his I saw his high school film where he practically picked up a dude and slammed him in the ground. I mean, when I'm like building a defense, I want dudes like that on my defense. Nasty. You know, you're never sure what they're what they're really going to be capable of. But Braden McGregor has dealt with some injury that's probably slowed him up a little bit. Um, and based on what I could see from not just the spring game, but, you know, kind of how his rehab is gone, he's back to being 100 uh, percent. He didn't play in 2020, so sat out his whole freshman year um, and people didn't get to see anything that, that he was capable of. But I would assume and I would expect based on the needs that this team has on a, on the defensive side of the ball that Braden McGregor is going to make some appearances on the football field. Um, and, and I expect him to be a big time playmaker by the time it's all said and done. Uh, just for the record, I had Mr. McGregor at number 12 on my list. Okay. So he was, he was close to making the cut for me as well. Not quite. I, I just, I just don't know. And uh, this goes against what I said about my own list. I don't know how much we're going to see of him. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, you know, the verdict is still out on the, on what will, what, his playing time will look like and what the system looks like, but there's a lot to like about him for sure. There's another kid I saw in, in high school multiple times being an in-state kid, got to know him quite well. It was a really big deal when he picked Michigan, obviously Notre Dame wanted him really bad. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, all the big schools wanted that kid. So. Yeah. If you saw his commitment video, you couldn't help but love it. 
Exactly. Right? I don't know exactly. if you where where he jumped in the arms of Jim oh, yeah. Harbaugh, or was it the other way Dudek, around? I don't. Dudek jumped on him like a little. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Like a little child. Yeah. 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 But people who didn't know Matt Dudek in person was a, he went about five seven maybe on a good day. And <laughs> Braden McGregor's all of six six, so it was yeah that was a pretty funny video clip that they put. I think it was Braden's maybe mom or sister that recorded it and put it out yeah. there for for everybody. Kind of went a little viral in the Michigan circle. All right, I I cheated a little bit here because and honestly this is just how it came together like i said i i went through the list and grabbed every guy at a time and put them kind of in the right spot and i had i had three wide receivers in a row number seven roman wilson number six aj henning and number five mike saner still and i'm just i'm actually going to read what i wrote because it kind of sums it all up together without me getting long-winded about each one of these guys so i i think we know what we're getting out of ronnie bell i think everybody's pretty confident what he's going to bring to the table i feel pretty confident about what we're getting out of cornelius johnson the bigger body guy he showed in flashes last year that he could do some things, but I think Wilson, Henning, and Sainer still are all wild cards a little bit. No Giles Jackson, so is one of those guys going to step in and be kind of a return guy and replace what he did on special teams? They're all really fast. They can all turn short catches into long gains. They're all really versatile. Mike Sainer still and Henning especially played like DB, running back, wide receiver, wildcat quarterback in high school. They did a little bit of everything. Wilson was more of a pure wide receiver out of Hawaii. Um and I just think that they've, they've, they've just got a lot of untapped potential and a lot of talent and a lot of speed. You know, we again, we heard all about speed and space with Josh Gaddis, and these three guys are the epitome of that. These are They're smaller. You know, all three of them are six foot or shorter probably, 180, 190 pounds, but they can fly. And so you got to get them the ball. you got to get them the ball often. you got to let them make plays. So I'm excited about their potential. I really think that they could be a pretty exciting trio of, of – like I said, versatile, do a lot with, you know, jet sweep, reverses, double passes, stuff like that. Henning, uh, Henning and Wilson have the kind of long speed to blow the top off a of defense. Yeah. I just love this group. I just hope, hope, hope they get used correctly and, and we can see some big plays out of them. So I did three in a row. I don't know how we're going to – I guess we'll do the same with you. We'll go seven, then we'll go down your list. All right. Uh, we'll well, make two, them quick. two of the ones we just we just talked about. So seven for you was Edwards. Anything additional on, on Donovan Edwards? We've talked about him. No, I, I, he's he was a big time recruit, arguably the top running back in in the uh, in the class, and uh, I'm just excited to see how they use him. I think that's the big wild card right now. Is we know he's good, we know he's got a lot of athleticism. How is Michigan going to utilize him in a crowded running back room? That's what I'm excited to see. Number six, you had Roman Wilson, who I just talked about a little bit as well. Speed, speed, speed. The guy is fast. He can he can get vertical. He can cause a number of issues for uh, defensive backs. And you saw a little bit of that in 2020. I mean, he stepped up. He was he was the go to guy for Joe Milton for a little while there at the beginning of the season. Um, and I know things kind of fell apart, uh, but I expect him, given the experience he got during his freshman year, his speed, his athleticism, he will be a guy that presents a problem for the secondary. And number five, which I thought this is one of our, our bigger discrepancies. I thought this was a little low personally, and you're going to state your claim right here, though. Number five, Daxton Hill as a, as a junior coming in at number five. We've heard good things about the offseason. You have him at number five. Why? I got him at number five because – this is a guy that had all of the hype and potential coming in to be like a marquee guy, almost like 
I don't know if you want to put him in the same classes like the Rashawn Gary or Jabril Peppers, but from a rating standpoint, he, you know, he was there and Michigan beat out Nick Saban and Alabama to get him. And he's just been pretty quiet so far in his career. Um, and so I, I am excited to see what he does uh, in 2021. I think the ceiling for him, the sky is the limit, but he's been on the field a lot. And I just really haven't, you know, as a fan, as somebody who watches the games, I haven't seen him be the difference maker that I expected him to be when he came to Michigan. I, I can't really hate on the reasoning. I can't. I just think he's he's just he's so talented. He's so he's so smooth. He's so fast. And, and we've heard good things. So I just I I expect. I'll call it an expectation thing. I just think he should be better than number five. I think you should yeah. not, I'm not saying your reasoning is wrong. I just think like, damn Dax, like that's, it's t- like you said, it's time, man. It's time to live yeah. up to those lofty expectations and, and, and be the guy, be the number one safety in the country, be that lock five yeah. star, be that surefire first round pick. Like you, you've got to, yeah, he's going to have to be a little bit better this year in order to achieve all that stuff. Number four, I got another guy, another guy. We don't know how much we're going to see, but maybe, the only reason I wouldn't have him higher is because we don't know if we're going to see him, but he might be the most intriguing player on the entire roster to me. And that's David Ojabo Um, because of this three, four defense, because of how I think he could be utilized. He's six foot five. He's 250 pounds. He won the state championship in the 100 meter dash in high school with a 10, nine, three, like that's, that's like stupid speed for a guy that big for a pass rushing defensive end, linebacker hybrid reaper whatever we're going to call them this year I, I i would love to see him on the field a bunch i mean if it you know i've heard things in the past like you know he looked like a baby deer learning to walk he didn't really know what he was doing and he hasn't been playing football for that long he's from scotland he was a soccer yeah. guy then he thought he was going to play basketball and it turns out when you're 6 5 250 and you run 10 9 you, you play football and you get a d1 scholarship to michigan so there you go i just think that he if they if they have him do just a few things and let him get really really good at those few things, he could be a terror coming Absolutely. after the quarterback. So I'm I the the second I saw him at a rivals camp back when I was with with the Wolverine, I was just like, dude, this guy's size length speed combo is off the charts. He wasn't even committed to Michigan at the time. He was just a, yeah. a target, and I was like. I hope they get this dude because he looks special. And so he's, it, he's one of those guys that at this point in time to the casual fan have no idea who he yeah. is. By the, by the end of the 2021 season, he's got all of the traits necessary to be a household name. I mean, that's how much potential he has. Or listen, those same casual fans still might not know who he is because we I, I mean, he might not play. He might not that's play true, that yeah. much. We don't we don't know what the linebacking core is going to look like in this three, four, or how that hybrid guy is going to be used or, or, or even who is, who is doing really well right there right, right now. So I just think he's so intriguing, man, that size, that speed, I think you try to find a way to get him on the field, but if he's not, then there's a reason Then he's, yeah. he's, he's still not ready. And I trust the people who have seen him in practice who told me last year that he wasn't ready. I trust the, I trust the breakdown. And I think that he, he still just has some things to figure out for, for you at number four, you have defensive tackle, Chris Hinton, by the way, he was number 11 for me. So just missed the cut. But okay. I think I think he's a good pick because lofty expectations for this dude. Yeah, I mean, came in highly rated. Has I think if memory serves me, and I put this in an article or put it in the article that we put out, I think he's played in every single game since he arrived at Michigan in some capacity. Eighteen games, and, yep. Right, and he's one of those guys where 
I feel like, you know, the same way that you feel uh, about Dax Hill, where it's time to like step up and be that dude. That's how I feel about Hinton. I feel like he can be an absolute terror on the defensive line. Um, And I'll just keep it short. Big dude, highly skilled. He's been in the program. He's got experience. My hope and my expectation is that he is just going to be a dominant force on the defensive line. I'm excited to see what he looks like in year three. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's again, this 3-4, man, this wild card of what exactly it's going to look like and who's going to do what. And is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is he a gap plugger enough to play in the middle? Or are you going to lean on one of these transfer guys you're trying to get? I'm intrigued. But I mean, I yeah, I I think the reason why I wouldn't have him in my top 10 is just because I already feel like he's kind of arrived. Like, he can be better. There's no question. Yeah. But like you said, he's played in every game. He's got several starts. He showed up against Alabama in the in the bowl game couple of years ago I, he's he's really good i just think he's i've i've always viewed him as a guy that has the potential to go first round i yeah. i think that highly of him and his his play to this point hasn't lived up to that and so in year three i would ex- like you look at guys on the defensive line at ohio state or at clemson or at alabama some of these bigger programs like I feel like he's the kind of guy that you could throw in there and he would belong on that line. It's not like, ah, geez, that guy wouldn't even start on that line. I feel like he's one of those guys that would. It's just time for it to, you know, to happen at the University of Michigan. Unfortunately, you know, for a lot of these guys that have been in the program for a while, 2020 is a little bit unfair because it was a shortened season. Things were, you know, things were crazy. And, you know, I think it cut a lot of their uh, potential short based on what they possibly could have accomplished. Very fair. Very fair. Number three for me is Daxton Hill. I had him a couple notches higher than you. By all accounts, people around the program, uh, parents of, of players that are on the team are just saying, like, he's just he's ready to explode. He's ready to lead this defense. He's le- ready to, you know, kind of take control of the secondary back there, make plays, you know, play the nickel, cover the other team's best receiver, come up on run support, blitz. I mean, everything. He's He's got a knack for being around the ball. He always has. He's one of the fastest players on the team. He's super smooth, lengthy, can really cover the whole the whole field back there. What what else can you say? He can do it all. He just has to do it all. That's that's where it's at. I mean, right. that's that's really about as simple as it gets. So, I have high hopes for him because of some of the same things you just said about Chris Hinton. Same things you said about Dax a couple notches ago. He he yeah. has everything ready to be a star. He just needs to 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 do it. He needs to do it. Be put in the and I, I do think. Again, back to this 3-4 defense and Mike McDonald and what it's all going to look like. Do they put him in a position to be successful and to make plays on the ball sure. and, and to shine? Because I think that's a big that's a big part of it. For you, number three was running back Blake Corum, another guy we've talked about today quite a bit already. I actually have him at number two coming up after this next one so we can both kind of talk about him in, in succession here yeah he easily could have been number one on my list you know that i'm very high on him and anybody that pays attention to the things that i write or the things that i say know that i'm high on him i just i love everything about him man i love the mentality i love the work ethic and i feel like he is just a guy that operates on a different level from your average student athlete. He's got a goal. He knows where he's trying to get to. And every single day, he's just working towards that. Um, I just, I think it's not going to be very long before he is the man in Ann Arbor and it could happen in 2021. Very, very excited to see what year two looks like for him. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I have him at number two. So as high as you are on him, I have him a notch ahead of you, which I think speaks to what we both think about him. And I'll just I'll just keep it short and say something. I think I've said it on a podcast before, maybe on a radio spot or something. 
there were there wasn't a lot of there there weren't a lot of bright spots in Michigan season last year, but he was one of them. There were yeah. there were multiple times over the course of multiple games where he did something, and I was like, well, no other running back on the roster can do that, and so that to me is worth something. Um, you know, whether it was the shot out of a cannon little flare pass against Minnesota or getting to the corner and the edge and scoring a touchdown against Michigan State, like he was doing something almost on a weekly basis where. I was like, I don't know how you don't have him in almost all the time, you know, unless he's just absolutely blowing it on pass pro, which is very possible as a smaller freshman back. Um, when he had the ball in his hands, he was instant offense. And so I, I'm with you. I think he's going to be great in year two. I'm really excited to see what he does under Mike Hart. And again, it comes back to, you know, it comes back to how Mike Hart uses that rotation. I think he's going to be a big part of it for you. You had Aiden Hutchinson at number two coming off the injury. Uh, this one's kind of obvious as well as we get to the top of the list here. But what do you like about yeah. him in 2021? I, he's he's everything you want in, in a defensive end at the University of Michigan. There's there's the legacy. There is talent. You know, I, I think obviously the, the injury, I, and I wrote this in the article, I think the fact that he got injured is why he's back here at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is he's a guy that a lot of NFL draft boards currently have going first round. And from my standpoint, I don't necessarily see that. I mean, I see that as potential. I don't know that he would go first round, but I feel like he came back to Michigan and he had said it. He wants to change the culture, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think he came back to Michigan because he wants to have a monster season. He's got some unfinished business and I can't wait to see what he looks like on the field fully healthy. I got to know him and his family really, really well through the recruiting process, a Dearborn kid. So close by just super welcoming, um, Aiden's mom and, and my wife hit it off at a spring game a couple of, just just a great family obviously his dad Chris played at Michigan was an All-American so he's got phenomenal insights into everything and really knows his stuff um, so I could I could I'm saying that to say I could remove all of that and he would still be number one on my list I yeah. just think like he's he's you know he's 6'6 six, 6'7 six, six, he's 270 somewhere in that range Don Brown used to talk about it before you look at him. He just, and he's bulky, he's strong, he's big. You just expect him to be stiff and not be able to bend. And he, he absolutely is, is flexible and can bend the edge and can put pressure on the quarterback. Unfortunately, in Don Brown's system, he wasn't asked to do that that much. He played the anchor position, and that was not their, their, that job. The job of that player was not to go after the quarterback with everything you have on most plays. So, See Rashawn Gary. Right? Exactly. I'm so excited to see how he looks under Mike McDonald because Mike McDonald is an NFL guy. Pass rushing defensive ends are maybe the most valuable position outside a quarterback on the field in the NFL. Mike McDonald has one. I fully expect him to use him to his best ability. I think when you when you look at that, when you look at the the stuff you talked about, he's a captain. He's a leader. He knows who his dad is. His whole family is Michigan. His mom and dad both went there. Both of his sisters go there. He he goes there. It's it's all there for him to just want want it as much or more than anybody on the roster. And he is motivated by his draft stock because it, 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 he wasn't he wasn't really on any boards last year. I mean, yeah. even he was hurt. Certainly, that had a big part. That played a big part in it. But he's coming back to say, I'm a first round pick. Notice me. Pick me in the first round and be happy with me for 10 to 15 years because he's that kind of kid too. He's a worker. Yeah. Uh, he's got a crazy motor just like his dad did. He just got he just hit the he just hit the genetic lottery that his dad didn't. His dad was about six <laughs> two, two fifty playing D tackle and Aiden right. towers and, and hulks over top of his dad. So 
I'm just super excited to see what he looks like. He came in at number one for me. That's why I'm going on and on about him. For you, you had, and this is where our li- list is different. You have quarterback Cade McNamara at number one. I don't even have a quarterback on my list. Yeah. Except for Dan Valari at number 17. So why do you have Cade McNamara at number one when we don't even know if he's going to be the starter yet? That's true. That's true. And we don't know if he's going to be the starter. Let me, I guess, let me back up and put it this way. You and I are both in agreement that we think Bowman is going to come in and win this job, right? If he does, I, He's going to be just squarely in the mix until they snap it on day one. Correct. On game one. I, even though, even if Bowman is better than Kate McNamara, I think there is going to be a, a certain amount of ramp up time. Kate McNamara has an advantage because he's been with Michigan for a while. He's played with these guys. He's just been in the environment. So he's already got a tremendous leg up. I do expect Kate McNamara to be the guy week one on a very short leash. And so that's why I am, you know, he makes my top, you know, number one on my list because I am anxious to see if a Jim Harbaugh quarterback recruit can come out and do what they're supposed to do at the University of Michigan, he would be the first to do that. Uh, and so I think until you have a guy that Jim Harbaugh recruits and comes out, balls out, and, and does what anybody should expect out of a quarterback at, at, at a university like of, of Michigan, at a program like Michigan, you should have a quarterback that can just ball out. And we haven't had that for a long time. I know Cade McNamara put up tremendous numbers in high school. We saw a flash of that back in 2020 when he came in for the Rutgers game. I know injury, you know, brought his season to an early end. I am super excited to see what becomes of him in 2021. My hope is that Bowman never has a shot because Cade runs away with it. I don't expect that that's going to happen, but that is my hope. I think that that would be the best case scenario for the program. There you go. So even though you had Cade McNamara at number one, I think we could, based on how our top 10 list shook out, I would, and, and I'd be willing, to, I'd be interested to hear how other fans lists look and who they kind of have where Blake, Blake Corum, Aiden Hutchinson, Daxton Hill might be, you could say the consensus top three most anticipated players for 2021. I know you have Cade number one. I had Aiden number one. We were kind of back and forth on, yeah. on Dax a couple. I think you had him at five. I had him at three. I had Corum at two. You had him at three, but Overall, the list, when you look at who's where, those are the top three guys that people should be really excited about. Aiden's kind of getting a new, like almost a rebirth coming off of that injury. Blake Corum just coming into year two. And Dax looks like he's starting to put it all together to be that superstar safety that he was coming out of high school. So I'm, look, man, I still don't know if Michigan's going to be all that good this year, win-loss wise, but I'm, I'm excited to watch them every day that, Every day it gets a little bit closer. I find myself, you know, looking at something else or thinking about something else and getting a little bit more excited. And as we've said a million times, we just want to see a solid product and watch Michigan beat some teams and that they, that they've been losing to. That's, that's ultimately what we want to see. It's what we want to report on. It's more, it's more pleasant that way. The fans are more pleasant to interact with that way. Our page views go up. I mean, it's a, it's a win, 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 win for everybody. That's what we want to see. Well, I think what we would agree, you know, we obviously think the season might play out a little bit different. I've got them at nine wins. You've got them at seven wins. But I think where we find common ground is that this is, you know, outside of Ohio State, one of the most, if not the most talented roster in the entire Big Ten Conference. And so just based on the talent they have on the roster, 
they should be competing for a, a conference title this year. We know based on history that things don't typically play out that way uh, at Michigan, but from purely from a talent perspective, there's a lot on this roster to be excited about, and there's no reason not to be excited heading into this new season. That's exactly right. We just ran through, I don't know, what was it? Maybe 15 guys? Who did we have? Who did you have that I didn't have and vice versa? You had Volari, which again, that was kind of a, eh, I don't want to say like a novelty one, but I, I you know, I'm with I you. Got, I'm, I got I'm curious to McNamara, see McNamara, McNamara, Volari, Hit, uh, who else? Let me that see. Might, that might have been about that it, but I didn't it. have it all. Yeah. Um, I had a couple wide receivers that you didn't have. I don't think you had yeah. a Sane was still or I did not. AJ Henning. I did not. Um, but your point that that proves that that speaks to the point. Michigan's got some talented guys on the roster that people are excited to see. Should we? Is this the is this the right time to point out that neither one of us picked an offensive lineman or a tight yeah, end? You know, I actually I had Eric All at I number, did as well. I had Eric All at number fifteen. Okay. I'm just curious to see what he looks like as the every down guy. I mean, I don't know yeah. how much we'll see Luke Schoonmaker and if we'll see Matthew Hibner at all, but you know, Eubanks is no longer there. So somebody's going to have to play that spot. And, and Eric all showed flashes last year. He had some drop issues, but talented kid jumbo wide receiver, basically Harbaugh said he might be the best tight end to ever play there. It's going to take a big leap to reach that level, but he, he's a, he's a talented player. Uh, I'm trying to think who else did I have on my list? I also had, I had Cornelius Johnson at number 13, I had Makari Page at 14. There was another one. You had him in your top yep, 10. Yep. I had Ronnie Bell at 16. Um, it it kind of depends on how you take the question, most excited or most anxious to see. I feel like we've seen what we're going to see out of Ronnie Bell. So I'm, exactly. I'm not, he, I'm not he like is a, he's a known commodity. I'm not unexcited by how good of a player he is, but I don't think he's going to like shock me in any way. Right. I'm thinking like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson off the injury, trying to battle for that. I, I mean, He's going to be really good too. I pre- feel pretty confident in saying that, but I'm wondering if he's going to be like a 12 sack guy. I feel you like know? the. I feel like he's. That's the thing. Like, you look at a guy like Ronnie Bell. I feel like we've seen Ronnie Bell at Ronnie Bell's best, and we kind of know what that looks like. I don't know that we've seen Aiden Hutchinson at his best. Right. I don't know that. I I can tell you we haven't seen Daxton Hill at his best. We haven't seen guys like Blake Corum at his best. So right. I think that's kind of how I looked at this list was you kind of, you know who they are, but you know, there's a lot more in the tank to get. Yeah. I think that's a very fair way to put it. Cause the guys that didn't quite make my cut all fall into a category that Chris Hinton, Cornelius Johnson, Eric all Ronnie bell, Dan Valari again for the novelty, Braden McGregor. Cause we haven't seen him yet. Makari page, because I think he's going to be pretty damn good in year two, but yeah, I think it's uh it's a fun topic to talk about, and we I'm really I just find myself more and more curious about how everything's gonna look. Yeah. You've got Sharon Moore helping out calling plays now. How much of a role does that does he have and how much different does that look? You've got Mike Hart running the running back rotations. You've got a brand new defense across the board in Mike McDonald and just about all of his is it all of his assistants? Nua. Nua is back. Nua is he is, the only yeah, one? Nua is, I think Nua is the only one. So it's just, I mean, that, that whole unit is going to be completely, completely different. So I find myself, again, with, with each passing day, getting a little more excited, getting a little bit more curious, trying to find out new ways to think and talk about it and write about it. I think we are 106 days from kickoff for Michigan. It's going to fly by. And like 101 or two days from uh, – from college football in general or no Michigan's like I just looked it up the other day 109 and 102 something like that when we get to 100 we'll throw an announcement out there and that'll be like you know we're inside of we're inside of triple digit days before we get to see some football so anyway 
we're we're going over an hour here more good stuff i feel like good discussion to have right there we are going to have some uh they're not all top 10 i don't think right but we've got some some top lists to talk about yeah. this week today was yeah. the top 10 players we're most likely or most excited to see wednesday is going to be i think the one you just put up today right it's the schedule. uh the schedule the toughest schedule is it the toughest schedules in the whole big 10 no it's it's ranking so we go i go through one through 12 ranking michigan's you know ah, their games from from easiest to most difficult and you know i think generally speaking um you know people would agree with it but there might be some differences in there when you get to the middle part of that so we will have that for you on wednesday and then friday i will put down my um grading jim harbaugh's hires this week of the off season so not really a list but kind of a a quantified way of looking at who he brought in and look i i haven't i don't think i've hated any of his hires but i've definitely liked some more than others and we'll talk about that in detail on friday so hope everybody enjoyed our pod today uh live broadcast today we'll have this in podcast form by the end of the day and uh continue to keep it locked on wolverinedigest.com for more articles thanks for listening everybody